thing to talk about for me. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I said I do to my wife, and my hair started falling out. And uh, I had uh, this amazing, thick, curly hair. And when I met Krista, it was, it was actually long. It was down to my shoulders, but it curled up to about my ears. And, uh, and so it was really a nervous time when I met her dad, actually, because I had, um, I had to wear like this do-rag type thing to hold it down because uh, it was just this fro, man. And, and uh, so when I met her dad, her dad is uh, Dr. Lynn Eckeberger. He's like Southern Baptist preacher of the century. Uh, and, uh, and so I was a little nervous, obviously, meeting him, and uh, he definitely made me feel welcome, but, and, he, and he welcomed me into the family, so um, after we said I do, and my hair started falling out, he and I had a conversation about the do-rag, and he was actually kind of glad that my hair started falling out, so, <laughs> uh, so it's, a, it's a bitter thing for me, um, I'm just playing, I, I actually embraced uh, the baldness, I really think Bobby should embrace the full baldness. Uh, just to be honest, but he hadn't gotten there yet, and so I'm, I'm still working on him, but uh, I want to do a couple of things before we get rolling this morning. I definitely thank you for allowing me to be back and, um, and, and to fill this uh, spot for Bobby while he is out, and here in a moment, I want to pray for the Ecuador team as they have hit the ground running. Uh, I don't think they've had sleep yet, and, and they're working on uh, goat cheese sandwiches from what I hear, and so I don't know if you're a fan of goat cheese, but I am not, and so I would probably be picking every kind of fruit I could find uh, as we're, they're working their way through. But before I do that, I want to recognize someone, and this is probably kind of out of the norm, um, but hopefully many of you know this, uh, but today is Bobby and Laura's 34th anniversary. So I don't know, you knew that, right? Okay, I was just making sure you had this weird look on your face, but um, yeah. She's still in question about that, right? Uh, but I, I don't know about you, but I think that's incredible. Um, not just because of, of who they are as a couple, um, but because of what they have sold their lives out to for the sake of the gospel. And in our house, um, Bobby is known as Uncle Bobby. And anytime we see him, it's, it's Uncle Bobby. My kids uh, know him as Uncle Bobby. Uh, they, Asher, our oldest, really asked me the other day, so is Bobby really my uncle? And I didn't really have the heart to tell him no. So he's, uh, he's just going to grow up thinking that. Um, but Laura, I know that you, you put up with a lot, um, just knowing Bobby. But 34 years um, is an incredible time. And I know many of you have celebrated that many years plus. Uh, but I hope that you continue to pray for Bobby and Laura as they serve this church and serve it faithfully. And, and as they continue to give back to the Lord uh, what they dedicated to so long ago. And, and I can say so long ago because, let's be honest, Bobby's old and Laura's not. So, um, hey, seniors, where are the seniors at again? Raise your hands. I'm going to embarrass you for a sec. Not really, I won't. Hey, I want to challenge you, okay? Um, as Clint just talked about, I'm the director of the Baptist Student Ministry here at SFA. But who's going to A&M? You're going to A&M. Okay, you need to connect with Joel Bratcher. All right, so where's your pen? You need to, like, take notes. I'm just messing. Don't do that. Joel Bratcher at A&M is the director there. He's been there for a number of years, dear friend of mine. Uh, phenomenal ministry taking place at A&M. You need to get connected there. Who's UT Tyler? Where are you at? UT Tyler. All right, Joe Osteen. Not to be confused with Joel Osteen. He's not him, okay? Uh, Joe Osteen. 
kind of came into to BSM world about the time that I did, and he's been at UT Tyler for about nine years now, maybe even a little longer. Um, you need to connect with him as soon as you hit the ground, okay? So connect with him and get running. All right, my SFA people, you, and then the other one's not here, right? Okay, I heard him mention something about either or, right? SFA or ETBU. Let's just go ahead and scratch ETBU. They're really cool, but you need to come to SFA and you need to get plugged in, you need to get involved. Um, and Marines, right? Okay, we're gonna pray for you. <laughs> I'm just playing. You have a great opportunity to invest into many lives, and I hope you stay strong all the way through, and, and I hope this church continues to encourage you as you work that way. I wanna spend just a moment praying for the team in Ecuador, and then we're gonna get started. Um, so if you will, join me in prayer. God, we're so grateful for a church who will get behind missionaries. And not missionaries that just go overseas, but missionaries that serve right here in this community. But right now, God, we want to focus on this team that's in Ecuador. God, as you have, have supplied the medical needs and, and means for them to be able to go and serve these people. Father, we pray that as they, as they interact with individuals, as they treat uh, ones that are ill, God, that you would provide the right amount of medicine at exactly the right time. For all of those that, that went with, with no medical background, I pray that they are able to serve well. And God, that you would keep them safe. Lord, you have sent them to a great work. And today we thank you for their obedience to go and to serve you in this manner. And so Lord, as they work this week and as they as they're exhausted and, and they hardly get any sleep and, and maybe not like the goat cheese sandwiches, God, may you still fill their hearts with your wonder. And as they look at the beauty that is all around them, may they just be in awe of who you are. Lord, I pray that the, the locals there, God, that they would, they would love on the people that have come. And the ones that went, they would love them back. And God, through all of this, you would receive glory. And so, Father, we honor you today. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 14. I want to kind of set the stage for you as you're turning there. Uh, we're going to be talking about a very familiar passage that, that, that I don't want you to just kind of dismiss. Because if you're anything like me and I'm sitting in a sermon and and the pastor says, like this morning, we're going to be talking about Jesus walking on the water. I kind of, in my mind, just already just kind of formulate these ideas. Well, I've heard this story. I grew up with this story. I, I remember the little felt board with Jesus walking across the water on the felt board and wondering, how is he doing that, right? Anybody remember the felt board? Okay. You don't remember the felt board. It's a sad day. Okay, thank you. All right. Whew. I was about to have to preach a whole other sermon, just being honest. But I remember, I remember studying this and understanding, okay, Jesus is walking across the water, and he's walking to his disciples who are in a time of need. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But to kind of set the story of, of where Jesus is at, you've got to understand what the disciples have just gone through. They've just witnessed, or maybe not witnessed, but been a part of the, the beheading of John the Baptist. Now, some of the disciples of Jesus were the disciples of John the Baptist. And so they've gone from that to the feeding of the 5,000, and then they collect 12 baskets full 
of, of food that's been left over, right? Are you with me? You, you remember all these stories? A little felt board, okay? So they're, they're walking through all this. They haven't had time to mourn. They're completely exhausted. And what does Jesus do? He sends them away. He says, I want you to go get in the boat and go to the other side of the sea, and I will meet you there. Now, if you're like me, I try to analyze a lot of things, and if Jesus tells me to get in the boat and go across and I will meet you over there, in my mind, I'm immediately going, how's he going to get there? We got the boat. Did he, did he talk to somebody beforehand? Is somebody going to come back across and pick him up and then come back over? That just seems like a wasted trip. Why didn't they just get in the boat with us and go at the same time we go, right? It's efficiency. Is Jesus not efficient? What are we doing here? They don't question it. They just get in the boat and they go. And as Jesus sends them away, it says that he goes up to the mountain to pray. And I don't think he goes up to the mountain just to pray for himself. I think he goes up to the mountain, one, so that he can see the disciples as they cross the sea, but also to pray for the disciples because they're weary. One of my favorite verses in Scripture is Galatians 6, 9. Do not grow weary in doing good things, for in due time you will reap a harvest. There are many times, many seasons of ministry that I walk through and I, I feel myself getting very weary. The, the seasons of BSM life are, are incredible. But there are seasons towards the end of the semester where I just want to walk away. Just being honest. I want to go home. I want to shut myself in the room. And I just want to, I want, to, I want to hear my kids' voices, but I don't really want to be in the presence of my kids. Does that make sense? Anybody there? All right. But even in those seasons, I'm finding joy as the Lord continues to put students in, the, in, in our path. The Lord continues to bring about salvation. Two weeks before school lets out, one of our students who had been meeting with a girl all semester meets up with her for lunch during dead week. Many of you guys know Dead Week's not dead. I don't know why they call it that. They still have tests and papers and all this kind of stuff. But she meets up with her for lunch, and she texts me after lunch, and she says, Gary, we have a new sister in the Lord. Talk about rejoicing. At the very point where I'm ready to walk away, the Lord provides provision, right? And he brings that verse back to mind. Do not grow weary. But the disciples at this point are tired, and Jesus sends them across. Here's the thing. I want us to, to kind of walk through a few things as we're looking at this. First, Jesus is genuinely concerned about his disciples. Jesus is fully God, right? You remember this? Jesus is fully God and Jesus is fully human. Does Jesus become weary? Does he become tired? I, I think so. But he also understands the human body and he understands that they've been around people nonstop and they've been going nonstop. And I, I don't know about you, but I get rejuvenated by being around people. And that sounds funny because I just mentioned there are seasons of my life where I just kind of want to walk away and not be around people. But people rejuvenate me. But there are those times where I, I just want to be by myself. I just want to walk away. My wife, on the other hand, she can go to an event or, or be around BSM students, and, and especially at a big crowd like this, she can be there, and, and about five minutes later, she's ready to go home. She's ready to go curl up with a blanket and just be alone. 
And, and part of that's probably because she's around three little kids all day long, and so she just, she just doesn't like crowds necessarily. And I got to think some of the disciples are probably in the same boat. They've been around crowds. They just fed 5,000. And I don't know about you. I'm not trying to take scripture out of context, but it says 5,000 men. Can we assume that maybe some of their wives were there and their kids? And, and, and so it's probably more than 5,000. So if you can imagine being at a, at a, at a big football game or a big uh, baseball game or something, and all of these people, and if you have a bubble, you don't want them around you, right? You're encroaching on my territory. You're squeezing my bubble. Get away from me. I think the disciples are some in this spot, and, and when Jesus tells them to get in the boat and to go across, they're like, heck yeah, see ya. I'll meet you on the other side. They didn't question how Jesus was going to get there. They just wanted to get to the other side. But Jesus is concerned about them. And so he goes up to the mountain to pray for them, and he gets to the Father. Secondly, they obey. Here's the thing about obedience. Sometimes obedience, we walk faithfully in obedience. The Lord obviously provides in, in our obedience to him. Many of the ones that went on, on the, the trip to Ecuador, they stepped out in a, in a step of obedience, right? I, I was talking to, um, I think it was Michael this morning, his wife uh, went to Ecuador, never been on a mission trip before. Steps out on obedience and says, I need to go. And the Lord provided so many areas along the way for her to be able to go. That's obedience. But in the life of the disciples right here, we're going to see in just a moment, as they get into the boat and they, they start to go across, their act of obedience turns into what? A storm. Many times in our life, when we obey the will of the Father and we follow after what He has for us, we find ourselves soon in the midst of the storm. So let's read this passage as we're walking through this. Look at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. We're going to get into the, the, the latter part of the story here in a second. But we understand this idea of obedience. And before this, the disciples were obedient to get in the boat and go across. But they soon found themselves in a storm. But thirdly, here's the thing. In our obedience and when we find ourselves in the storm, we have to remember that Jesus hasn't forgotten about us. Do you remember where Jesus was? He was on top of the mountain interceding for them, on behalf of them, because of them. Jesus intercedes on our behalf all the time. When we're in the storm, when we're out of the storm, when we have joy, when we have hurt, when we have, when we have emotions, Jesus is interceding for us to the Father. And as we see the disciples here and they're struggling in the storm, we, we know this story, right? Many of them were fishermen. And we look at the story and we go, why are they scared? Have they not been in a storm before? 
Uh, how many of you have ever been caught out in a storm in a boat? All right, a few of you. <laughs> how many of you have ever been to Carlsbad, New Mexico? Anybody? All right. My grandfather and I used to go um, fishing on the Carlsbad River. And, and one day, just this was obviously way before the weather app, where you could just punch it in and see what the weather was going to be like, right? And I don't know that my granddad even watched TV, so we didn't check the weather to see what was going to be happening that day. So we get out on the river, and this storm blows up. And we're in this little 12-foot uh, fiberglass boat with this little bitty, you know, two-and-a-half horsepower motor. And, uh, and this storm blows up, and we're caught right in the middle. And I, I'm about nine, ten years old, and, and I'm looking at my grandpa, who served in the Navy, and I'm thinking, man, he's, gonna, he's got this figured out. He's going he's gonna to save us. We're, we're good. Well, I look back at my grandpa, because I'm up front, because I didn't get to drive the two-and-a-half horsepower motor, for some reason, I'm not bitter, I'm just saying. But I look back at my granddad, and he has this terrified look on his face. And as a nine-year-old, I'm thinking, Grandpa, you're supposed to save me. I'm only nine years old. And he's terrified. And so it's at that moment where he starts trying to crank the motor, and you know it, right? The two-and-a-half horsepower motor doesn't crank. So we're stuck on the river in a storm, and the, the little bitty waves, what it felt like, you know, massive waves start crashing up against us. And the next thing I know, he's saying, hey, let's try to work our way to that tree over there. And so I break out the oar, and I'm, you know, all my nine-year-old might trying to get to the tree. And I still look back, and he's not doing anything. Grandpa, save me. The storms of our life sometimes take over. And we lose focus. We lose focus. We lose the sight of the one who can save us from the storm. I thought Grandpa could save me from the storm. But we lose focus of who God is. Jesus hadn't forgot about them. Jesus just wanted to take them through the storm. And sometimes in our life, when we walk through these storms, we're going, God, I don't understand this. I thought I was being obedient. I thought I was following after what you wanted me to do. Why am I walking through this? And I think Jesus, in his wisdom, comes back to us and says, I need you to walk through this storm so that you can trust me. So that your faith will grow in me rather than in yourself. Here's another question for you. How many of you are prideful? You don't really have to raise your hand. We're all prideful, I get it. Sometimes our pride takes over so much in our lives that we, we don't even want to look to Jesus because we're saying, Jesus, I got this. I'm in the boat. I can get myself across. I don't need your help. In fact, Jesus, why don't you just take a seat and I will get us across. And Jesus is looking at us going, okay. This is where I think Jesus' sense of humor comes into play, right? He just kind of chuckles. All right. Go get him, big guy. And Jesus comes back when we're in the midst of the storm, and we're crying out to him, and he goes, hey, you need a little help? I can help you. And it's in the midst of the storm that we realize we really need Jesus' help. We really need Christ. To save us. 
We can't do this on our own. And when our pride is so big and it's so overwhelming and we lose sight of the very one who can save us, then it's he who comes alongside and says, hey, you need a little help? I got you. Let's go on with this passage. Verse 29, Jesus says, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, truly, you are the son of God. Truly, you are the son of God. Ask yourself this question. Why do I need the storm to recognize that Jesus is the son of God? Why do I need to walk through this battle of life to recognize that Jesus is my, is my Savior? Why do I need these things to help me understand that my faith needs to grow in Him in order for me to truly grow as a follower? Well, Peter sees this. None of them recognized Him. Do you remember? They sure didn't think that He would be coming across the water, Right? If you were the person that was thinking, how's he going to get to the other side? You didn't think, well, he's just going to walk across. That's what Jesus would do, right? No, they didn't think this. And so as they're looking out and they're seeing this individual start walking towards them, can you imagine what's going on inside? I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, I'm getting out of the boat and I'm swimming to the shore because I think I can get there faster than this boat can. Because here comes this ghost coming towards me. And it says they didn't recognize him until he called out to them and says, do not be afraid because it is I. Think Old Testament. I am. Right? This is God in flesh. And it says Peter recognizes him and he says, God, if it's you, again, there's kind of that question, right? Lack of a little faith here. If it's you, call to me and I will come. And Jesus says, come. And Peter gets out of the boat. Let me ask you the question. We always focus on the fact that Peter sank, right? He took his focus off of Jesus. We get that part of the story. We get this understanding that, that as he steps out and he, and he begins to walk towards Jesus, that, that all of life begins to converge on him almost at the very same time. We get that. And we see where his focus is, is not on Christ, and in that wavering, he begins to sink. And in that sinking, he calls out to Jesus to save him. So here's the question, though. Would you rather get out of the boat and walk towards Jesus, or would you rather stay in the boat where it's safe? Because I remember being nine, year old, nine years old and thinking, this boat right now is not safe. My granddad is freaking out in the back, telling me to go towards a tree, and there's lightning, and I'm pretty sure that's not a good idea. But I'm nine, year old, nine, I can't, nine years old, I'm going to submit to what he's saying, and I'm going to row my hardest to get to that tree, right? The disciples were afraid. 
They were tired, and they were caught in a storm that was taking them all over the place. Jesus comes walking on the water to them. They don't recognize him until he calls out to them and says, do not be afraid. At that point, I'm thinking, it's a little too late. (laughs) I'm already afraid. Peter recognizes him, calls out to him. Jesus says, come, and he steps out of the boat. Seniors, you're about to embark on an incredible new chapter. You got to step out of the boat. Others of you in here, you got to step out of the boat because I can promise you, if I know Uncle Bobby very well at all, you're going to be approached very soon about going and serving somewhere. And it's going to be very uncomfortable for you. And he's going to be looking at you with those eyes. And, and you're just going to be compelled to say yes. And then you've got to trust that the Lord is going to do the rest. Trust me, it's going to happen. And you may find yourself in the midst of the storm crying out to Jesus going, God, I need you to save me because I can't take this storm anymore. It has overtaken me. And as Jesus comes walking across the water towards you, you've got to recognize who your Savior is. It's not the storm. The storm's going to rage around you. The storm will take advantage of whatever it can take advantage of. But if we remain focused on Christ, then we will remain focused on the very thing that we need to have in life. You see, Jesus had a plan for all of this. Jesus had a plan. And here's where I want to go with this to kind of, uh, kind of bring this back around. What are the things that we're walking through that distract us from our Savior? What are the things that are, that are tearing us away from keeping our focus on Him? Because I think some of us have actually gotten out of the boat. We've experienced this idea of walking on the water because our faith is growing in Jesus and we're continuing to grow in our faith as we pursue Him. But as life rages and our focus begins to to look all around, then we begin to sink, and as we're sinking, we cry out, and we understand that He will come, and He will save us. He will take us through the storm. The amazing aspect about this story isn't that Jesus, isn't that Peter's faith failed him. It's that he got out of the boat. You see, I, I, I tend to think of myself sometimes as not Peter. I'm one of the disciples that stayed in the boat, too afraid to get out and trust that the Lord will save me. I remember when I was seven years old, sitting in a little missionary Baptist church in Hobbs, New Mexico, listening to the Sunday school teacher talk about salvation. And I remember thinking in my little mind going, I need what she is talking about. I'm here every Sunday, every Wednesday. I've heard the stories. I've seen the felt board. I need what she is talking about. And at that moment, the storms in my life ceased. Now, don't get me wrong. (laughs) There's been other storms. There have been other things that have raged in my life to deter me from the focus that I need to have on my Savior. And in many times, I've failed in those storms. But every time as I cry out, Jesus is right there 
to pull me back out of the water. Sometimes I wish scripture was, had, had a little bit more in it. You know what I'm saying? Like how far away was Jesus when Peter started to fall? Right? Was he standing right beside him? Was he 20 feet away? Was he, you know, was it just like instant? I got you. How far did Peter actually walk? I mean, you've asked those questions, right? I'm not the only one. Can you imagine Peter stepping out of the boat and stepping onto the water and going, I'm not sinking. This is crazy. His thought wasn't, hey, I just stepped out of the boat. His thought was, I'm not sinking. Jesus, here I come. You see, obedience comes with courage. But in courage, we have to have wisdom. And that wisdom can only come from our Father. You see, the eyes of the disciples were opened up that day. And they begin to understand. Look at some of these last passages once again. Look at verse 33. Let's go to 32. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Truly you are the Son of God. Can we as a church claim that today? Can we, can we understand that Christ is the Son of God and He is there ready to reach down and pull you out of the water? I don't know that it matters how far Jesus was away from Peter. Peter could have sank. Jesus could have been 50 yards away and said, rise up. But the story says that Jesus pulled him out of the water. In your storm right now, will you allow Jesus to pull you out of the water? Because i got to be honest, there's some, there's some storms that are raging in some of your lives and, and even in some of mine that that I look at and I go, God, I don't know how you could pull me out of this. I am sinking so deeply right now, Jesus, that I don't know that you could pull me out. And I'm here to tell you, not just because of this passage, but any one of you could stand up here right now and say, brother or sister, Jesus can pull you out. He can so no matter what the storm, no matter what you're going through, Jesus is ready to lift you out of the water. So let me come back to that question. Would you rather sink having experienced walking on the water? Or would you rather stay in the boat, not get out, safely tucked away, for what you think is safe. Let me close with this, this idea. As I said, my imagination kind of wonders a lot. And when I think about this story, I think there, there had to have been times in Peter's life when he was sitting alone 
after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, after, after Pentecost, after all the, just the amazing things that you read in Scripture had taken place. And Peter's, Peter's sitting alone, and I think his heart just begins to surge at the thought that I walked on water. And I don't think it just stopped there. I think, it, I think it continues to just burst out of his chest because he understands the process that I didn't just walk on water, but I obeyed Jesus. And when he said, come, I got out of the boat. What's it going to take to get you out of the boat? What storm will you have to walk through to get out of the boat? As Ryan and the team comes back up, let me pray for you. I'll turn it back over. God, thank you so much for this morning and the pleasure to teach your word. God, recognizing that, uh, God, that comes with great responsibility. And Lord, there are many times where I don't feel worthy to speak your word. But Lord, as we understand these passages and and relay them and and focus on them within our own lives, would you help, help us recognize the storms that are raging all around us? And even though the storm is raging and and distracting us as we take our focus away from you and we put it onto the wind and the rain and the waves, God, would you help remind us that you are in control? You are God who reigns on high. And you have called us your children. You have adopted us as your sons and daughters. And Lord, we... We submit to that authority. And so as we learn what it means to be obedient and to walk in faith with you, may you teach us. May you guide us in every step of the way. Father, thank you again. Thank you again for this opportunity. Thank you for the team that's in Ecuador. God, we pray many blessings over them as they serve you and they serve you well. Thank you for challenging them to get out of the boat and walking in obedience to you. Pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.